Hello, my name is Shaden, and welcome back to my podcast, which isn't a teaching or a preaching or a Bible study or anything like that. More like a regurgitation of stuff that's been swirling around in my head lately, which means there may be things that are super off. And if so, please email me at ringorshaden at gmail.com. Let's have a dialogue. The reason why I'm doing these podcasts is because I miss the study and the conversations that I so regularly had when I lived in the States. So in the past, I've actually gotten some criticism uh, for using sources that, quote, aren't Christians or not biblically sound authors. So I want to make a disclaimer in the beginning. If I quote someone or repeat their teaching, that does not mean I agree 100% of everything that that person stands for. The truth is, I don't agree with anyone's beliefs or lifestyle other than that of Jesus Christ. The Bible is the ultimate and most important authority, period. And I'm convinced that God can speak truth through anyone, especially after God uses a literal jackass in the book of Numbers to speak. Shane Claiborne and a few other authors said it so well in their book called Common Prayer, which was published by Zondervan. Quote, not all of these quotes are from Christians, nor was it our intention to endorse everyone we quoted. But we do believe that anything true belongs to God, no matter whose mouth it comes from, end quote, which is also the stance that the theologian and philosopher Thomas Aquinas seems to take, I think. So on that note, I like to quote Muhammad Gandhi, quote, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ, end quote. And I think it's okay to quote Gandhi if Dallas Willard did it. In Renovation of the Heart, he quoted Gandhi saying, if only Christians would live according to their belief in the teachings of Jesus, then we all would become Christians. Think about this. We Christians have a pretty dark history, right? The Crusades, where killing and torturing non-believers was believed to be God's will. The Holocaust, where Christian churchgoers were part of an auxiliary battalion who slaughtered thousands of Jews. Rwanda, just 26 years ago, one of the most Christian regions in all of Africa, where over 90% of the population were Christians, and yet there was a terrible genocide, where the majority of Christian pastors and priests favored the side who held the machetes that killed an estimated 800,000 people. And you know what is really sad about that? Victims fled to churches for refuge, only to find themselves trapped inside while being hacked to death and or burned to death by fellow churchgoers and leaders of those very churches. Christians in America who justified racism and slavery with the use of the Bible. And the list goes on. I do not think that I'm over-exaggerating when I say that there was something seriously off with these people who called themselves Christians. They identified with Christ, but they had nothing to do with living like Jesus. Their own definition of the kingdom of heaven brought nothing but suffering and death. They were completely delusional to believe that they were in fact doing God's will in establishing His kingdom on earth. But today, are we any better? Is it possible to be just as delusional as those Christians back then who justified all kinds of horrors in the name of Jesus? And no, this is not an episode to push progressive Christianity, aka conforming to the patterns of this world Christianity. Rather, this is an episode to have an honest dialogue with yourself, with Jesus. Am I really living with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to be like Jesus Christ and establishing his kingdom of heaven on earth where he reigns? 
Or am I just another delusional Christian bringing more hell on earth in the name of Jesus? Back to the atrocities. What was the root of all of that? The answer, which we learned in Sunday school, is the devil. Satan. Blame Satan. Which is true in a sense, but I think the devil is often surprised with receiving credit for harm that he had barely any part in. I think some of Satan's best helpers are people who call themselves Christians, but have nothing to do with Christ. I mean, think about those who have crucified Jesus. They, in a sense, were called Christians. Well, not really Christians, but they were, you know, the, the godly ones. And they were the ones that crucified the Son of God. They did the devil's work for him. People who call themselves Christians, but have nothing to do with living like Jesus. I've termed this Christian schizophrenia, right? A delusional Christian who believes to be doing God's work, but in reality has nothing to do with Jesus or the kingdom of heaven. And I'm convinced that the cause of Christian schizophrenia is living according to the false self rather than living in Christ or the true self. So before I go on, please give me a few minutes to explain some important terms. Let's start with the false self. This is your identity. Everything that makes up who you are, your race, your age, your gender, sexual preference, education, job title, economic class, goals, dreams, personality type, Enneagram, number. Basically, it's who you think you are and who people think you are. And then we have the true self. And the true self is who you are in Christ. As someone with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the characteristic and personality of Christ, union with God. Many early church fathers and mothers, mystics, desert fathers, saints, theologians have different names for these two concepts, but to avoid confusion, I'll stick to the false self and true self. So the false self isn't bad per se, but we must move beyond those titles, identities, accomplishments, etc., etc., to that which is more important, which is life in Christ, aka the true self. Okay, so now the definition of sin, starting with what sin is not. Sin is not the false self, right? The false self is a necessary step towards the true self. But the false self can become sin when we see the false self as the true self. Because then the false self becomes a distraction or substitute of the real thing. Sin means to miss the mark. When we live according to the false self, we miss the mark of our original design, which is the true self in Christ. And now I want to talk about what I think is one of the most deadliest misconceptions in Christianity, the word repentance. The meaning of repentance today has evolved into a skewed definition of the true meaning of biblical repentance. It's like we have a modern day or like an, an American Christian definition of repentance, and then there's the biblical definition of repentance. Let me explain. We are taught at a young age in church that sin is drunkenness, promiscuity, murder, stealing, lying, etc., etc. So we are taught to repent from those bad things, like feel bad, feel sorry, be forgiven, and try not to do those things again. That's pretty much repentance, which is true in a sense, but there's so much more because that type of repentance is just snipping the weeds and not uprooting the actual problem. Here's the bottom line. Biblical repentance is not about a change of behavior. It's a change of identity. It's moving from the false self to the true self. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says this, quote, Jesus invited his hearers to repent and believe the gospel. In our world, 
Telling people to repent and believe is likely to be heard as a summons to give up personal sins and accept a body of dogma or, or a scheme of religious salvation. This is a classic occasion where we have to unlearn our normal reading of first century texts. As we see in Jehoshaphat, which is a first century Jewish historian, the phrase means basically, give up your agendas and trust me for mind. He was telling his hearers, in other words, to give up their agendas and trust him for his way of bringing the kingdom, his kingdom agenda. In particular, he was urging them to abandon their crazy dreams of nationalist revolution, end quote. So you see, the make America great again just doesn't align with biblical repentance, because that is the very thing that we need to repent from. And that goes for Democratic, Libertarian, Green Party, or whatever you stand, because biblical repentance is looking beyond any and all political spectrums or ideologies, agendas, etc. And just to be clear, my point is not anti-America or politics. I love my country, and I voted all the way from Africa, which cost me $50 for secure shipping. But I'm using politics on purpose here, because you can really see whether you're living according to the true self or false self, at where you place all your energy and hope in. Is it Christ and His kingdom, or is it in the Pledge of Allegiance to the Flag? Do your part and contribute to society as best as you can, but we as Christians should have our priorities set in Christ and His kingdom. Otherwise, our obsession will be in the false self. And the false self needs to be affirmed and protected, right? My identity, my rights, my freedom, my job, my security, my, politi my political party is the hope that will keep my false self affirmed and secure. And when the false self is under threat, we rage, riot, rant, spread hatred and division among everyone in our way. And that hatred is justified because we think we are doing it in Jesus' name and for his kingdom. So do you see the problem here? We think repentance is reframing from bad behavior, but biblical repentance is giving up all agendas or ideologies that is not Jesus Christ. For example, you may have repented from drunkenness and sin no more, but what about your selfish agenda? If anything, we just Christianized the false self. Quote, what most of Christian history did was largely dress up and disguise the Christian false self. The religious false self can even justify racism, slavery, war, total denial of deception, and feel no guilt whatsoever because they think they are doing a holy duty for God. The ego has found its cover, so be quite careful about being religious. If your religion does not transform your conscience to one of compassion, it is more a part of the problem than any solution, end quote, by Richard Rohr. I don't know who said this. I think it was Shane Claiborne, but I heard it in an interview a long time ago. Uh, someone said, it doesn't take much for the cross to turn into the swastika. So the point that I'm trying to make here is, if there is no true repentance of the false self and its agendas, we are at risk of Christian schizophrenia, aka a delusional Christian who believes to be doing God's work, but in reality, having nothing to do with Jesus Christ or the kingdom of heaven. 
In a lecture titled After You Believe, Why Christian Character Matters, N.T. Wright said that the good news of the resurrection of Christ is, quote, if you are in Christ, if you are indwelt by the Spirit, you are just a shadow of your future self. There is a real you, which is more you than you can even begin to imagine. Uniquely you. God made you to reflect in some unique way a particular facet of His glory and His love out into the world. And when you are in Christ and indwelt by the Spirit, you do that more and more. You become more uniquely yourself. Evil, despite what the media tells you, makes you boring, shuts you in, makes you a clone of all sorts of other people doing much of the same tedious sorts of stuff. When you are seized by Christ and indwelt by the Spirit, He will make you more truly yourself. That's part of the paradox we live in a culture that says you gotta be yourself. Find yourself to discover yourself. And Jesus says, yes, that's what you're going to do. But the way you do it is by dying and rising again. Jesus said, if anyone come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, end quote. If we don't pick up our cross and move beyond the false self into the true self in Christ, then we blindly conform to the madness and call it good. And worst of all is that we sometimes pray to God to prosper our Christian schizophrenia madness. Tolstoy, who I think had some weird and rough go at Christianity, nonetheless, he had some pretty inter interesting things to say. He said this, quote, There are two gods. There is the God that people generally believe in, which is a God who has to serve them. This God does not exist. And then there is a God whom people forget, which is the God whom we have to serve. This God exists and is the prime cause of our existence and all that we perceive, end quote. I, I really like how Dallas Willard put it, quote, wanting God to be God is very different from wanting God to help me, end quote. And this brings me back to the word repentance. This is why there is a huge emphasis of repentance in the gospel. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. And my favorite teacher at the moment is Father Ronald Rollheiser, and he does a great job at explaining metanoia. Um, so here's like a very basic summary of it. There are two parts of metanoia. Meta, which means above, and noia, which means mine. Metanoia invites us to move beyond our normal instincts into a bigger mind, into a mind which rises above the proclivity of self-interest and self-protection. And if we don't do that, we are in the opposite state, which is paranoia, which in my opinion explains all the fear and rage and division in our country, especially by Christians at the moment. I mean, just take a look on Facebook at some posts by Christians. It's, it's mind-boggling. Bishop Barron calls repentance a new way of seeing of which everything else in Christian life flows from and circles around the transformation of vision. What Jesus implies is this, the new state of affairs has arrived, the divine and human have met, but the way you customarily see is going to blind you to this novelty. So I want to conclude this episode with an application, and that application is death. We must die to ourselves. We must move beyond the false self. We must take the words of Jesus seriously. When he said, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. He means it. If we don't move past the me, myself, and I, then we will fail to inherit the kingdom of heaven. We will miss the mark. We will be stuck in our own Christian delusion where Jesus becomes a magical genie to make our little lives better on earth. 
We need to repent and submit to Jesus, who is the Lord. We live in His kingdom where He reigns and rules. If Jesus is not sitting on the throne, then we are. And history shows that we, even though we call ourselves Christians and go to church, we are terrible at being in charge. We cannot continue this Christian schizophrenia. We must move beyond the false self into the true self of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to be like Jesus because it is all about Jesus and his kingdom, his reign, his rule, not ours. 